You're listening to KDNK's Public Affairs Program for Land's Sake. I'm Bill Kite, your host, and today our guest is Brooke Levan. He's the co-founder, along with Rose, his wife, of Sustainable Settings. Welcome, Brooke. Good to see you, Bill. Uh, glad to be here. Good. Well, glad to have you. You know, uh, the first question I'd like to ask you, because I, I really have... Uh, enjoyed the few times I've been out to sustainable settings, and uh, I was just wondering what inspired you, what life event inspired you to, uh, you and Rose, to buy the Thompson Creek Ranch, that 244-acre ranch uh, south of Carbondale, uh, and and to go into intensive work like you did? Well, we were um, coming out of the art world, actually. We were artists. And our work was, uh, our medium was clay. We were potters, sculptors, used adobe, um, ended up doing a lot of public work. Um, I had a Fulbright in 89 and 90 to study the uh, earthen architecture of the Gurunsi people of northern uh, Ghana and southern Burkina Faso in West Africa. So that was massive earthen compound so the medium was clay or always kind of earth and it was always alchemical in the sense that it was earth air fire and water and uh, so we did that for a while and uh, it was our time in Ghana where we the Garunsi did not have a word for art in their language which meant they didn't separate art and life all right and so you know, we were hot shots with master's degrees from Western academic uh, credentials, and that really hit us hard. And so we came back from that, and I stopped signing my name to the art, and we became uh, life in general. We became an art uh, family collaborative. And we began to do a different kind of work, and the work became more social. We saw art as a mechanism for social change. And uh, it went from pottery, the domestic space, right, of exchanging food and uh, community, building community around a table, that kind of arena to a gallery museum. And then it went out to, we would come and interview your, we'd have town meetings in places and say, well, we're artists and we have some funding and we have skills and we understand metaphor and color and materials and how to pull off a project. What do you need? Instead of drop our ego in your park, we kind of just, you know wanted to do something meaningful and lasting for your community, right? So the work had gone social in that direction, and uh, and then it was uh, we were wandering uh, on another uh, grant. We went to China. And we uh, navigated the Yellow River, which is 4,000 miles. And so we started up on the Tibetan Plateau, and we followed it out to Bohai Bay, the Yellow Sea. And we built traditional river craft along the way as a portal or a point of entry into the culture. So this woke us up to uh, human settlement and other things like that. So our, wor- our work as artists was more anthropological in research. And we began to apply it. So we got back from that. Um, I'd already probably taught for five years in academia and was kind of done with it. Didn't want to uh, 
right. do that anymore. And we could, that's a whole other show if you want to talk about that. <laughs> right. But uh, <clears throat> we uh, we uh, got here actually, and it was Doug Casebeer at the uh, Anderson Ranch, who was a clay a friend from the ceramic world, and he said, well, you're between these grants. Why don't you uh, come to the Anderson Ranch in Snowmass and make a body of work and have a show until you figure out. I was heading off, actually, to India for another Fulbright study. And um, so we got here. We did, uh, like he said, you know, we had he gave, they gave us materials and clay, and we did a body of work. We had a show at the Aspen Museum and then went down at B. Mocha, which is the Boulder Contemporary. And we were getting ready to run off to India to the next thing, and uh, somebody over at the Anderson Ranch said, you should go over to Woody Creek. There's this group called, you know, Aspen uh, Educational Research Foundation. Now they're called Compass. Right. <clears throat> and this is the Aspen Community School, and this is George and Patty Stranahan and Mike Stranahan and, and you know, Deb Jones and uh, Dan Troutman and uh, Rick Morrison, and these are the folks up there. And they said, uh, go over there. And so we met George, and uh, he was running it at the time. And uh, <clears throat> he said, well, this sounds interesting. Why don't you be a visiting artist for a couple months in between? And so it was right there. <coughs> uh, he said, there's an old Adobe studio. Clean it up and be a, you know, and, and take a, an apprentice. And uh, so this is how we came to the valley like that. And we came with a... Backpacks from China, you know, seventy in a seventy-nine Volvo wagon uh, <laughs> from L.A. when we landed back from China, right. and uh, we got here and we were accepted over there at uh, the community school to uh, just be a visiting artist for a couple of months. And Jerome Ostentowski had been up there, uh, which is crimpy, you know, right. Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute, and he had been there a decade or better before and left some raised beds that hadn't been used for a while. And so Rose and I have always grown uh, food wherever we went. And so uh, we asked George, he said, hey, we need a little compost, you know. And um, he said, well, go down and meet Jesse Steinler down at the ranch. <coughs> and uh, there's some five-year-old steer manure there, you know, and he'll help you and so met Jesse, and he gave me, he handed me the keys to the dumper, to Big Red, and uh, he took uh, our six-year-old Cooper, put him on the fender of the tractor, and, and I followed him uh, down the road, and we went across Woody Creek, and I we hit Woody Creek. I hit that with the, I drove over that creek, and I got a flash that this is the place. Right. Like Good. that. That's, like, you know how these epiphanies come. That's true. Yeah, they do come. They come at uh, the time they're supposed to come, don't they? Yeah, and, and so I went home. We went back, uh, and we wrote up a six-page proposal and um, a one-page budget, and we presented it to the group. Mm -hmm. And it was a good fit. You know, they saw how we could <clears throat> integrate our uh, sustainable livelihood and whole systems uh, programming. Uh, with the kids and uh, the wood, the wood shop and the art center and the pottery and all that, <coughs> and so um, I get kind of goosebumps all the time. So there's a board meeting. They all love the idea, but they, you know, there's no money. Right. 
So I sat on a boulder with an angel, told him what we needed to do, and he said, we all need to do this, how much you need. And uh, I probably should have said $14 million, but <laughs> I said, well, the first year budget's 185000 And uh, he said, uh, that's in the bank, let's give it a go. I get goosebumps every time I tell a story. So that's our first year. And things grew from there. And so we were nurtured there and uh, for the first five years. And then it was time for us to spin off. And um, we formed a board with their blessings, the Aspen Community School Group's blessings. We, <coughs> we uh, matriculated, and uh, we did a land search for about a year. And we went from Georgia to Maine. So the little board we had was really blue sky. And they wanted, they said, look, just because it's working here doesn't mean, uh, you know, that uh, where's where's it belong. Right. Right? And so those guys, a lot of those board members are still with us. And they're our core. But uh, so uh, we went, uh, we kind of went down to a computer almost and then wheels. And we just, we toured. And uh, that little board went with us sometimes, but Rose and I and, and our son would travel to Maine or some other places, and we started looking. And so we had our criteria, and we came back to the valley, of course, and here, and the Thompson Creek Ranch was uh, off-market. It being held over the winter, you know, they pull them a lot of times, they'll pull the the listings over the winter and then reissue them in the spring but so i think we found it in the fall and they would off i think it was a cerise listing i don't know if it's mark cerise that's the ways back for me now but uh and so uh we called him and he said well you should talk to open space they had they had grabbed it um and uh so we did talk to Dale Will and uh, that group, and and they were like, "Well, you know, we're going to put it back on the market in March. You know, you got a few months." Um, and we only had like sixty thousand in the bank, and uh, so we went about. You know, we photographed the place and and uh, made a campaign, and and it was. Uh, the board came up with about 256. It was a, it was going for two million back then. Now that's 19 years ago, almost right. 20. Um, but uh, the board came up with that, and that impressed uh, uh, Adam Lewis and Peter Lewis, who were uh, you know really generous and saw what we were doing. You know, Peter looked at me and he said, "You know, you're right about all this sustainability stuff. We're in trouble." I said, "Well, I said that's good to know." <laughs> You know, but they were, uh, and Adam, you know, this is part of his, uh, it's deep in his heart. He remembers, you know, pulling a carrot out of the ground in his grandmother's garden and and how, you know, so it was, uh, it's deeply embedded. Anyway, those guys gave 2.1, and uh, we bought the ranch, you know, March of 03. So we're, whatever, is that 19 or is that 20 years? Uh, 19? 19. Yeah, 19 years. <coughs> so... Yeah, and so uh, there we were, land rich, uh, and so we of course had to find money to 
to run the place and, and begin it. And, of course, we inherited a sick place. It had gone through uh, industrial, you know, chemical, uh, synthetic fertilizers and all the newfangled stuff, which, you know, probably we would all do over again if we didn't know any better. If, right. You know, but uh, so we were there. And so what became clear for us as artists was, <clears throat> first of all, we, we uh, don't know what we're doing. And we still don't know what we're doing. We wake up every day with a fresh look, and we go out and communicate with the, what we see and, and make moves. And we try things, but that gave us the freedom right, to the freedom. try things. So we don't have degrees in soil science, uh, although I can talk a good rap on soil these days. Uh, I but, bet you uh, can. We don't have uh, you know agronomy, uh, ag- you know degrees in agronomy. Um, but uh, if you show up with those to our place, I won't hold those against you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, recently there was an article in the Post Independent about um, selling or putting on the market sustainable settings um, yeah. at asking price of twenty four point two five million, I think it was. And uh, you told us uh, how much you paid for the ranch in two thousand three, two million. What makes it worth so much now? Um, Okay. Yeah. Well, have you priced a two by four lately? I have. Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, gas is double, right? I don't know anything that's going down. Um, across the way from us, uh, there's been sales of uh, seventy thousand an acre across the river from us a couple years ago. We're opening up at a hundred thousand an acre. It's kind of. Some people get what we've done and the fertility and and the healing and the harmony and balance we brought back to that place, and they're saying it's cheap. But, you know, I don't know what to tell you. We, it, for us, um, it's uh, we've looked at the market. Um, we're looking at this being um, another, a different value proposition. It isn't. Uh, it's protected in perpetuity. Conservation easements? <coughs> We have conservation easement. There's a historic covenant for four of the buildings. There's, uh, uh, you know, our neighbors have come around in the last few years. Uh, uh, Bill Fales and Marge, they they did uh, an easement a few years back, and and Jason uh, uh, Sewell and and uh, Alex did a easement recently. Uh, so we're surrounded, and there's open space across the way, and there's BLM. So we're surrounded. This little part of the valley is never going to change and we say it's a pearl in the string of you know gems really that uh well in the way the valley's going if you look at town and look around there's uh, maybe that's where development needs to be but it's there needs to be open places too right. and so um we think that's a special place and uh we're lo- we're hoping that someone will recognize the uphill effort we've made to clean it up and to uh, heal it uh, and bring it around to this vitality of health and immunity and, and continue that work. The article also said that you uh, wanted to see when you when you founded uh, Sustainable Settings to see if it, you could heal a piece of land previously worn out by conventional approaches. You're a pretty unconventional guy. What unconventional approaches have worked in reclaiming the land? <clears throat> well, not knowing any better, we were willing to try things. And um, f- 
for us, it was, you know, good sound organic uh, methodology, of course, good sound physical, I call it horizontal agriculture. Um, and, you know, that's uh, rotational grazing, uh, no-till drilling of the pastures. You know, right. we, don't, we don't plow up our pastures like na- some of the neighbors. They like to turn it every eight or ten years. And that just really destroys the uh, fungal network in the soil. And so what we began to do is, uh, in 07, I gave uh, an assignment to one of the interns. And we uh, had uh, Retta Brugger. She, she did a... Uh, uh, key line. Uh, she uh, keyed out all the species, so she identified all of what we had, <clears throat> and then instead of plow it up and just put a hay crop in, you know, alfalfa, clover, and a few grasses, uh, which is uh, limited nutrition, really. We took what we had and we added species. Where our goal was mountain meadow, not hay crop. Right. So that was one of the ways that we began to heal the place um, and diversification of the uh, the brilliance really of the natural of the different plant forms different root depths and different uh, things that they sequester um what was your question again it was basically what unconventional methods uh, work have worked to reclaiming the land Well, that was a little different Uh, the other thing is we began to look at uh, biodynamics and this is uh, several shows uh, to talk about, but it is uh, something that uh, Rudolf Steiner opened the door, showed us the door for, and we have since taken that uh, even further. But um, we started to understand that uh, there's a vertical aspect to the agriculture, and that's our, that's our, uh, our intention, and that it matters. And so what we began to understand is that we're relationship farming and that we are dealing with and we are coke we are, I can't make a tomato can you make it no I haven't been able to uh, yeah uh, successfully conjure no. up one of those so <clears throat> what we can do bill is we can create the arena for uh, a tomato to have full expression and to be fully vital and and give us uh, that re- in return, right? That's food. And so we saw ourselves really as we're not the farmers; we're the custodians, more to, or so. And and uh, we learned a lot from indigenous uh, folks as well, who understand their position of being custodians instead of, you know, dominant over nature farmer type. And I'm not saying farmer is a bad word, but it's a little different take. And so there's another angle where we're doing a little different thing. But the biodynamics is looking uh, is there's uh, we started uh, making our own fertilizers. We saw the ranch as a whole farm organism, not as a collection of little uh, of crops or different things, right? But a whole or so everything. The compost pile was an organ in the organism. The cows are an organ in the organism. The plants are an organ. So if, if you compare the human body, you know, we are an amazing thing, right? The human form and the human living body is incredible with all of its circulatory and all the other systems, right? Neurological, right? Imagine. And so Steiner actually said, lay the human form down on the ground, and that's your farm. And so we began to look at uh, the the decisions we made based on the health of the whole organism and so we made different decisions that way so that's that's part of the 
uniqueness maybe but not so i mean this is a we're not the only ones doing this in the in the u.s or in the world right yeah you're listening to katie and k's public affairs program for land's sake today our guest is brooke levette of sustainable settings uh, your website talks in a long section on ethics and principles mm-hmm. without losing context could you condense those uh, ethics and principles briefly for our audience? Well, if I was to put it into a few words, what we've come to understand is that if we honor all of the life that we co-create with, we are in relationship. And when we're in that, uh, there's harmony and balance across the agrarian systems. And we have health and vitality. So if all the ethics and principles are little, you know, say screens that we take ideas through or accept or not, things that come our way, they are all are based on that. The, the will, can, are we building soil? Are we building health? Are we uniting the nature's brilliance? You know, and encouraging that as much as possible with each decision we make. None of us know what the future brings, of course, but um, what are your future plans, whether you sell sustainable settings or not? What's what's in the works for you? Well, I think before we got out here, you asked me, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? And I'd be doing what we're doing. Yeah. So our developed uh, work over the last 24 years now uh, 24 or 5 years doing this here in the valley given Woody Creek is 1.0 and uh, I look at uh, we look at the ranch here as 2.0 and we're ready for 3.0 but the assets uh, you know we just need 20, 30 million to go do the next thing and the next thing is another piece of ground uh, we'll immediately start soil tests scientific lab tests and, as a baseline and we'll begin to apply our principles and methods again for another data point in other words and uh, we're writing uh, i'm putting a book together i like to say we because it's i don't think we i do anything it's through us (laughs) right and so um it's time to report uh we have a system or a quiver of stewardship method that works and some of it is what you might consider conventional which is a funny term adopted by the industrial uh, chemical group but uh, i would say that we are um we're that and we're also still willing to try so we're you we're combining the horizontal and the vertical which you could say physical and metaphysical if you want to go there okay and uh that is heightening our relationships and it matters it's showing up in flavor and the soil tests are off the charts the nrcs is going what are you doing right right you know the few times i've I've been by your place one time i came by you had um, a rancher that was uh, trying to get a uh, cottonwood tree down and the the limb not knowing it was uh, hollow and full of wild bees Mm -hmm. and uh, we were standing in there among them there watching them behave there they were wild a lot (coughs) lot more active than the domestic bees yeah that, that was was kind of was that a surprise to you? I mean, do people bring things to you or ask for your advice that you can help? That oh yeah, d- you? a lot. Yeah, I mean, we're consulting. Um, 
I'm working on a 30,000-acre ranch in Nevada right now, and they want to get off of chemicals, and they want to go with biodynamics and more regenerative practice. So we're doing that kind of work. Uh, so our impact is not just here, you know. I don't think a lot of people recognize that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, people call up and say, hey, I've – can I bring over this trunk of, uh, you know, inhabited by bees? And we'll take them sometimes, you know. But um, How did that work out with, those, with the wild well, bees and the domestic um, ones? More conventional beekeepers would probably have killed them because they're, they have a different philosophy about that. For us, the, they're uh, indigenous bees, and so we want them to cross with our bees. Because right. they know how to survive this environment. They're not yellow Italian Southern European. They're northern. They're like, uh, their their abdomens are almost all black huh. yeah. instead of yellow, yeah. and actually uh, they're fantastic uh, to huh. to mix in. And so huh. we began to encourage that uh, in our bees. Yeah, I'm sure you've had a lot of other surprises besides uh, wild bees what one surprise stands out among others of of, of your years there to so many bill um, I don't know I mean I've learned uh, that how we measure in this culture is more quantity than quality and so we've begun to measure quality and that's what brings people to the food and to us for wanting to know how to steward. And um, that focus on quality over quantity has also helped uh, build the soil to its richest uh, form. That is the bedrock of our own immunities, right? I mean, everybody's concerned about immunity after all this COVID business, and uh, it starts in the soil. And so mm-hmm. I think that uh, was a sharp awareness for us to focus on that a lot of people probably wondering how they could help um, maintain their soil and help to it to be better Uh, what recommendation would you have for someone in the last few minutes we have here well I hate to say but there's probably a shift in awareness that uh, you can't make a tomato might be a real big one (laughs) not going out and hating your place but loving your place may be a pretty interesting shift and you might witness something but there's good sound uh, physical things like you know compost and other things like that of course but um, don't uh, disregard your intention that's a good place to end Brooke. don't disregard your intention I like that thank you so much for being here with us today appreciate it that's our pleasure yeah. Thank you for listening to Katie and Kay. Our next For Land's Sake show is the second Monday of May, May the 9th, I believe it is, at 4 o'clock. Until then, whatever you do to Mother Nature, do it for land's sake.